Discipleship Podcast. Uh, we're, we're picking up in Erwin uh, Lutzer's book, We Will Not Be Silenced, Chapter yep. 4, Freedom of Speech for Me, But Not for Thee. And uh, picking up in uh, page 111. Yeah. Right. So our, our, our intentions is to get done with this chapter uh, today. We, it's about 15 pages, but we believe we can do it. So please bear with us. Mm. As we will go through this, not speedily, but hit the main highlights in the chapter that we think and believe it'll be um, good for you to hear, and we pray our thoughts would, would bless you. Most importantly, that what we share, of course, would glorify God. Amen. But yes, one eleven is where we start. We're shutting down free speech. Yeah, uh, he writes. Our our generation is one where many are offended simply by legitimate opposing viewpoints. Yep. That that's really what it is, and. He quotes David Hor- Horowitz, who describes the radical left, saying, to, res- uh, to respect oppressors' rights is to support the injustices they commit. If so- social justice is to be achieved, one must suppress the perpetrators of injustice by depriving them of their rights. That is why progressives, cultural Marxists, are so intolerant and seek to suppress the free speech of those who oppose them. And yeah, we're getting into this topic today yep. of uh, free speech, but also the the silencing and censorship, and why do they do it? Because yeah. they they feel like it's um, it's just hate speech. It's offensive. Uh, they're uh, th- th- these groups have become like we talked about in previous weeks, soft, yeah. and uh, they they see themselves as uh, oppressed. Yeah, they look at free speech as the reason as to why. We have the type of um, different cult, uh, different minorities or ethnic groups being oppressed by those that have the liberality to share what they have to say, but use that as a means to say because of their quote-unquote power and their influence is why we have these um, social injustices with different minority groups within our society, which is absolutely not true. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about free speech, it's what formulates the culture. Without free speech, then you, you don't have any type of... Um, tolerance to be able to share what you have to share and being respected for what what you have to share and what you say and yet nobody has to agree with you but the idea is that's what formulates you know the culture that's what formulates society is to be able to share our thoughts without being um uh under the the guise of we're going to be shut down and we're going to be uh, aggressed against because of we're trying to share our own thoughts and the rights that we've been given by the constitution yeah. And that's what, you know, cultural Marxists, and I, that's the sad part is what we're trying to get across on this radio program is one is, is please do your research. Mm-hmm. Um, don't follow what everybody is, is jumping on board to say, oh, yeah, they, what they're saying, what, what these YouTube advocates or whatever are saying is correct. Do your own homework and then compare it to what we have been um, given in America for, for centuries. And if you think... Uh, cultural Marxism is the right way for this country to be governed by, you're absolutely being deceived, not by just those on the progressive left, but more importantly, you're being deceived by, by the enemy, our advocate, which is the devil. And that doesn't formulate and form a basis to have um, freedom and liberty within a country that's been based upon that from its very inception. They're trying to take that away, and all you have to do is read between the lines. It doesn't last a couple of years. You can see um, the oppression that has happened by subjugating us to, to be able not to have the right, right to say what we can, what we should be able to say. But not only that, you, you saw the damage that was done, removing of statues and things monuments. that are monuments yeah. that, have, that have, have marked this country from its very beginning. Um, the violence in different um, 
states and cities for what? That's a revolution. And to say that's us being able to express our freedom of speech and our rights being taken away, so you do that through violence. Mm -hmm. I mean, he said in this book, destruction doesn't build, it destroys. Yeah. And that's what we see happening. So this is their perspective, right? The, mm -hmm. Those on the radical left were, were oppressed, and, and there's an imbalance of power. Yep. So therefore, in order to equalize uh, this power imbalance, right? he says, explicit and forthright double standards are absolutely and unapo unapologetically called for in the postmodern left. Yep. They, that's, that's how they see it. They see it as because we're oppressed, because uh, we don't possess as mu nearly as much yep. of the power as as those you know in in high places we yep. have the the right some may even say the god-given right exactly to um create these double standards you know i i get the free speech you eh, not so much yeah well he says right in the, the next sentence under what you just read on double standards says this is why the radical left has changed its position from championing championing free speech which we talked about last week yeah in the and years ago to banning it and allowing only oppressed groups to speak so they're saying they get the right to speak people like you and i yeah. we don't get the right because we're privileged yeah because yeah, yeah exactly um i know he talks about it as we go get ahead but he he made the one of the um comments made by a, an individual saying that people that um have this the, 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 the saying what they say remember he made it, he compared us to the Ku Klux Klan if yeah. you remember that yeah really you to the Ku Klux Klan yeah wow that's pretty Called that's bigots. pretty yeah, yeah all, all that, those things that's pretty and and they take it a step further right he says on on 113 from the radical left's perspective speech codes designed to censor conservative voices are not censorship, but they, they, they see it as forms of liberation for the oppressed groups mm -hmm. because their voice will be the only one heard. So, you know, they'll, yeah, they'll take it a step further and say, you know, we're not, we're not censoring you. We're not, we're not saying you, you don't have free speech, <laughs> but this is just us finding that, that liberation and, and freedom mm -hmm. um, after being oppressed for all these years. And he says it right here just a couple sentences later. In other words... The more oppressed I am, the greater my right to shut you down. Yep. <laughs> and yeah, that's, I mean, he's, he's, that's what's happening. And the sentence before that, contrary views on social justice issues are not up for discussion, really? Mm -hmm. So in other words, if we, I don't agree with what you're saying, then you don't, I, I can't say what I want to say. That's basically what they're saying. They must be silenced. And as you said, in other words, the oppressed, more oppressed I am, the greater my right to shut you down. So what does that mean for uh you know, whether it's in, in the school systems, exactly. colleges, universities, it, even in the workplace where we're looking to have discussions and we're sharing, mm -hmm. you know, and, and we're putting everything out on the table, yep. uh, differences, you know, opinions, mm -hmm. different perspectives. If, if this is where we're headed, then we're no longer able to have discussion. You can't have open-air discussions. It's this, and the thing yeah. that's really disconcerting is, especially like you said, in the job force, you know, if this thing takes root, mm -hmm. then um, what are the employers going to be able to enforce as far as, you know, a table talk discussions? Um, it's going to be this is what you can talk about. This is what you can't talk about. If you violate these um, mandates and rules, then we, we will no longer need your services here at our place of employment. Yeah. I mean, it, it yeah. sounds absurd, but it's moving in that direction because if you study, you know, and look at countries that have been governed by Marxist rule, that's pretty much it. Mm -hmm. If if you don't ag agree with what they want you to follow along, you, you're forced to hard labor. You can be put into prison you can, because you're coming against the government, or you can even face death. 
So, I mean, people think, oh, well, this is America. It'll never, it just won't. All you have to do is look how far we have digressed within the last two and a half years since COVID and since the George Floyd, George Floyd murder. And you can see how far and how quickly this perspective has taken root. So yeah. to say this is America, yes, it is. I love this country. More, I, I don't. I wouldn't live any other place. But to see the digression of what has been built upon the foundation of people dying, giving blood, sweat, and tears to protect and ensure the freedom and rights that you and I have today, definitely threatened. Yeah. Definitely threatened. It's a huge fight right now between yep. facts and feelings. Exactly. Yeah, I, yep. talk, I talked about this a little bit in my in my sermon on Sunday night. But yeah, he says some argue against free speech on the basis of the emotional well-being of oppressed groups. So is that what it's all about now? <laughs> How it makes you feel, because yep. let's let's be real for a second. There's there's a lot of truth out there that doesn't make us feel good. No, no, you know? not at all. And and that's okay. That's that's normal. But he says offending rhetoric includes racist books such as those of Plato, Aristotle, John Locke, etc. And these books that belong to the Western tradition are said to cause minorities to feel oppressed. So then, it, you know, if that's the case. We've gotten it wrong in the exactly. education system for centuries. <laughs> so when you read this stuff, what it makes me um, think and believe what they're trying to do is to erase uh, U.S. history. Yep. Things that are very important to the foundation and principles of what made America the way what it is today. Because he goes on to say, uh, recently Yale University abandoned his highly rated course, Introduction to Art History, which I took art history when I was in college. And it was very, um, it was good for me to learn. That right. aspect of the American uh, history oh, and culture. very interesting. Very yeah. interesting. And there's this renaissance to the present because it put European art on a pedestal at the expense of other art traditions. In its place, the school will teach many classes on art and politics, questions of gender, class and race, and the relationship of art to capitalism and climate change. How is that? That's a real stretch. How is that? <laughs> That's what that is. Yeah. Art history yeah. and renaissance to the present. I mean, Really? So basically what they're doing to me when I read that and I hear that, they're bowing to the demands of those that want to abolish uh, racial equality and mm -hmm. social justice by mm -hmm. this kind of stuff. No, you're, you're going to hear what we want you to hear that we feel is the best benefit for you to understand why we are feeling the way that we're feeling, the oppressed. Really, that has nothing to do with our history. And if that doesn't scream their agenda and what they're trying to accomplish, exactly. then I don't know what is because that— yep. That's crazy, and that that is crazy. And but these people, these these, I'm sure. Let me rephrase. These groups have a lot of power mm -hmm. and a lot of influence. We know that. Yep. You know, I don't want to get into names, but we do know that. And they change the course of even our government making decisions simply because of the voice. Like you said, the louder you scream, the more you're heard. Yeah, and that's exactly what they do. Yeah. I like what he says. Uh, jumping over to page one sixteen. He says, students should be taught to be respectful of different races, different views of race, mm -hmm. sexuality, and political affiliations. Free speech should not mean that we can call people names, mm -hmm. demean them, and use obscenities. Mm -hmm. Agreed, right? We, we agree yep. with that. But sure. nor should people be coddled to the point that their egos are so fragile that an alternate point of view, even if legitimately and thoughtfully presented, should never be given a fair hearing. Too often... Shaming and blaming have replaced listening and reasoning. And that, man, I, I, I see that so yep. clearly today 
yep. especially with 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 the liberals. I you know I, I have to admit, you try to engage in conversation mm-hmm. with them, and the moment you take that turn and into you know a, a particular topic that they don't agree with, mm-hmm. and that makes them feel some type of way, they shut down. You, I was gonna say, you get shut down right away. Well, 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 well they'll shut down too. And All they of them too. Exactly. They, they just turn off to. Oh, we don't want to hear that. Yeah. They want to. But you know the the Bible, and I, and I like that Dr. Lutzer puts that in where he talks. You know, to be respectful of different races and the way we talk. I mean, we know that in the Book of Ephesians, you know, Paul talks says, "Speak the truth in love." You know, don't use offensive word, don't use corrupt communication, and which is so true. Um, but the 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 challenge that sometimes you fall into mm-hmm. is you get into these topics of discussion with those that are on the other end of what you your conservative views. And again, you have to be careful because, you know, like you said, feelings and emotions could supersede logic and biblical reasoning. And, you know, and that's a point that must be addressed because once you go into that direction in a discussion with somebody that is totally is opposite of what you think, then you play right into their hands. Yeah. You know, you have to use, you know, the Holy Spirit to guide you when you're discussing uh, situations and issues with somebody that definitely will bait you in and bait you in into a, an argument. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't accomplish anything. So right. yeah, so that's but yeah, you're right. Shaming and blaming have replaced listening and reasoning. I don't I don't know if I if I ever asked you this on on one of our previous uh, episodes, but for you, you know, considering your age and the generation you've grown up in, mm-hmm. what do you think led us to this place? How how did we get so sensitive and so fragile when it comes to differing? Points of view, views, yeah. I, I, my personal, you know, understanding is, you know, when we look at America, at least when I, like the culture I grew up in, there, there was a huge, um, still a huge respect and when it, about God. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we prayed in school, we said the Pledge of Allegiance in public school, um, we taught respect of one another, regardless of race, you know, your ethnicity, it was, mm-hmm. and whether you're male or female. Um, we were we were taught to respect one another, but as we have seen, of course, you know, taking prayer out of school was one thing they did. Of course, and they legalized abortion, Roe v. Wade, and abortion on demand. And little by little, we we moved away from the very, um, to me, the very parameters that that protected America from what we see of the injustices that are committing today. Mm. And that's just my opinion, what I really feel, because even though when I, w- I was not a Christian growing up, but there was a, there was a sense of we respected each other. Mm-hmm. Um, on the school grounds, females and women, our teachers, our superiors, you know, it's, it's Mr. and Mrs., yes, sir, no, sir, um, calling, you know, my friend's parents, Mr. or Mrs., not, you know, by their name. Right. right. And so you, you can see the digression of how, um, the lack of respect have kind of moved away from the very elements to me, the very thing that keeps this country and the people within the country um, to understand why these things, these, these are important. Mm-hmm. These points are important to the, to the growth and to the betterment of, of a nation. So you look at every nation, take for granted, every nation that does not have God as its premise of vehicle to look to, and you can see the corruption within that country. Yeah. Even, even I'll give you an example. Iran and Iraq, which they're big Muslim countries, but look at the violence in that those, those countries against its own people. Mm. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, it's it, to me, it's really so. You you worship Allah, and you call him your God, but yet you you advocate such violence, and you can see the destruction within their own 
community, culture, and the country itself. Um, America is following that suit. When I say that suit, the, the, the havoc and the just the violence that we're seeing all the time today. Mm. And to me, it doesn't take whole much, a whole lot to understand that it's because God is no longer ruling in this nation. Yeah. He is the one that has blessed America from its, from its birth. The Founding Fathers put a lot of credence and emphasis upon God and government. I don't care what the liberals say. If you've been to Washington, D.C., you've walked around the Capitol, you will see Bible verses all over the place. Mm-hmm. You know, it's everywhere. And yet you cannot deny the influence that, that, that Christianity had upon this country. But now they're destroying, like you said, they're destroying everything that has to do with American history that's made this country great. So when you remove uh, those types of, of, of traditions that have established this country, then what do you have? Yeah. You don't have anything. Nothing. You got nothing, right? So now we see, and because we have nothing, this is where the Marxists can come in and say, listen, nothing's working now. Capitalism doesn't work. That's why we have the poor. That's why we have the oppression. That's why we have social injustice. We can fix that. Mm. We'll put everybody in the same plane. Everybody will be equal so that we don't, nobody's above each other. That, that's not how um, capitalism works. Free enterprise doesn't work that way. Yeah. So what happens yeah. when you run out of money? What happens when... You have poverty. What happens when uh, you have uh, injustices happen? Then who do you blame? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Who do you blame for? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're going to have, there's no perfect country. I mean, you, you, you know, people are people, right? right? You have different ethnic, ethnic groups and it's, people are people. But to me, America has birthed the greatest place in the world to live simply because it gives you the opportunity to succeed. Mm. You know what I'm saying? You, yeah. you can succeed. Yeah. And we can see it in, in, in professionalism, sports, uh, um, in the entertainment industry, yep. uh, free enterprise of people that you know have have invented stuff. Why? Because America has given them that right. So, you, so for these these people that are oppressed to say that we're the blame for their oppression, no, yeah. we're not the blame for your your oppression. Am I saying that we don't have social injustice in America? We do. It needs to be. It needs to be fixed. But people are people. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it's, you're always going to have. To a certain extent, social injustice. I don't agree with it, but it's it's been part of um, our our you know of of the time that God created. You know, man, we saw it in the very beginning. You right. know, right. Cain and Abel. You know, look, look at that. He killed his own brother, right? So it, you can see how we've seen injustice committed against other people from the very beginning. So it's not going to change. People are people. We're human beings. Right. Unfortunately, that's the way it is. I'm not saying it's right. But by doing what they advocate they want to do to correct this injustice, it doesn't work this way. Right. It's, it's like it's reasoning, sitting down and having uh, an ability to listen and discuss and find a solution to the problems rather than, you know. Standing on the street, sh- yeah. street corner and just yelling racist, racist. Like, what, is, what, is, what good is that going to do? It doesn't do anything. It yeah. doesn't, I mean, it just incenses people to join the, the, the loudest of that person sharing that. They jump on board, although they don't know why yeah. they jump on board for you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it's, it's it's crazy. Yeah, and I, yeah, I'm I'm just blown away by by you know, and I'm I'm still not really sure how everything you know if there's any correlation between what you're saying and how the love of many will grow cold. Mm-hmm. The Bible you yeah. know prophesies of uh, a shift from you know respect to now yeah. a lack thereof, and how perhaps all of this has also led to yeah people just being easily offended. And, and so sensitive, yep. whereas back in your day, I'm sure, you know, somebody hurls an insult, and you've got a little bit more thicker skin yep. to to just let it, you know, 
be water yeah, we off didn't, your we, back. Yeah, we didn't take it seriously because, you know, it wasn't something that was always deliberately done to harm or hurt somebody. Mm. You know, sometimes it's done in jest and right, like, what, right. are you, what are you saying? But oh, even man, that nowadays is like, oh, completely yeah. offensive. I can't yeah. believe you. And plus you have, you know, so you have media, you have social media, you mm-hmm. have TikTok, Facebook. You know Instagram. Instagram. Yeah, you have you have Hollywood celebrities that are just jumping on the bandwagon to to support the mentality of what like what Lutzer is sharing in this book. So when you have people that are that influential within um, the culture saying things without really a basis other than their own opinion and and, and their feelings and emotions as to why they believe that, then of course now you you have a support group on that particular area, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Whether, like you said, instead of just sitting down and let's reason and talk about this this situation, how do we find a solution? That's good communication. Yeah. You know, you have what's the the, the uh, program on television, which I, I the view. Ugh. I mean, really? Yeah. You got these, these women sharing their thoughts, but yet they're extremely left and liberal, mm-hmm. and people just support what they say. It's like, because they're celebrities, they must know right. Celebrities, it, the the way they talk, yep. very passionate. Yep. Okay, yeah, they they must know what they're talking about. Check it out. I just tell people then, examine the the source, yeah. find uh, a rebuttal to that, and then make and make your honest assessment as to what is truth. And, and what they what they do, uh, as with I think many that are referenced in this book, is they'll just they'll invite someone onto their show yep. with with an opposing view. And they'll just gang up on that no blast one them. guy or yep. gal and and try to destroy yep. everything, uh, rebut everything they, yep. they try to. That's why say. I, I I love Charlie Kirk because mm-hmm. you can gang up and and whatever, but he is, he is so uh, poignant on his points yep. that he doesn't sit there and get into an argument with you. He uses logic and reasoning. That's what he does. He listens mm-hmm. to your question. He listens to your rebuttal or listen to your opposing. Uh, uh, aspect of what he shares and then he comes right back with the answer right without arguing i love i love the way and how he does stuff me, yeah great. yeah me too it's it's great watching him it's like robbie zacharias when robbie was alive yeah. and how he would do it it yeah. was the same thing and really really good and your your listening skills is just as important yep. as the the response exactly. and formulating the yep. idea yep. of of what you're going to say next because you know with with those on the left it, it's sad because they're 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 not happy with the response. Why? Well, one because they don't agree with it. Yep. But two, they're not even they're not even listening. They don't. They're, they're, their ears yeah. are so shut off, yep. and they're not they're not even really listening yep. because they're they're more concerned about the the next words yep. that they have to say, getting their point across. And yeah, at that point, you're not having a discussion. No, you're you're just they're already, it's just one sided. They're already formulating their opinion. Yeah, yeah. Even though they're not listening to anything you say, they're going to formulate their own opinion before. You're done speaking. Right. Already thinking about that. Right. That's why I'm saying, like, good communication is the ability to to listen and then to reason to give the proper response. Mm-hmm. But, but like you said, with the left, they don't do that. Many yeah. times they don't do that. If they don't agree with them, they're already boom. Yeah. They'll shut down, like you said, or they're going to shut you down. Well, this is a nice segue into the next section on 117. He talks about uh, the enlightenment. Yeah. Right. You, yeah. you want to? Yeah. Talk I just about that one? yeah. So I did some research on it because this is really really important. Um, what Erwin Lutzer, Dr. Lutzer, talks about it, but I did some research. So the Enlightenment was a European intellectual movement of the 17th and 18th centuries in which ideas concerning God, reason, nature, and humanity were synthesized into a worldview that gained wide assent in the West and that instigated revolutionary developments in art, philosophy, and politics. Central to Enlightenment thought 
where the use of, and celebration of, of reason, the power by which humans understand the universe and improve their own condition, the goals of rational humanity were considered to be knowledge, freedom, and happiness. And then he goes on to say, a brief treatment of enlightenment follows, you know, and he goes into other things. But he says, the powers and uses of reason had first been explored by the philosophers of ancient Greece. The Romans adapted and preserved much of Greek culture, notably including the ideas of irrational natural order and natural law. Amid the turmoil of empire, however, a new concern arose for personal salvation, and the way was paid for the triumph of Christian religion. Christian thinkers gradually found uses for the Greco-Roman heritage, the system of thought known as scholasticism, culminating in the work of Thomas Aquinas, resurrected reason as a tool of understanding. In Thomas's presentation, Aristotle provided the method of attaining that truth which was ascertainable by reason alone. Since Christian revelation contained a higher truth, Thomas placed the natural law evident to reason subordinate to law, but not in conflict with eternal law and divine law. So in a nutshell, it's the, 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 the freedom that we have that formulates thought and reason and based what he says here on, on Christians, our ability as Christians to be able to talk about God and in a reasonable and sensible way. But when you, you look at the progressive left, they're trying to destroy the, the freedom we have and what formulated in this country concerning the Enlightenment, which was not even in America, it was in, the, in, in, in uh, Europe, where it was yeah. birthed. Yeah, and, and so you have liberals today like Andrew Sullivan saying that these enlightened principles that, that form the bedrock mm-hmm. of the American experiment yep. are now routinely understood as mere masks for white male power. Code words for the oppression of women and non-whites. Mm-hmm. Um, when, in actuality, uh, Lutzer says, if the Enlightenment taught us anything, it's that freedom of speech came about through what a willingness, willingness of those who held opposing viewpoints mm-hmm. to engage in argument, discussion, and even heated debate. Yep. And and you know, and that's healthy when you can base or share your opposing opinion or views without being shut down. Yeah. The idea of the Enlightenment is to give you the freedom to be able to express what you want to express without telling, basically telling you to be quiet. You know, you, you have no right to tell me that. Mm-hmm. You know, who are you? I'm the oppressed. I'm oppressed because of you. And so um, that, that's, the, that's the issue. And so now we see here, like we just read, and Dr. Lutzer puts it in here, even something as important as the Enlightenment, we see how the progressive left is trying to even change that. Yeah, twisting it. And yeah. it's not just for America. You're talking about something that was birthed in Europe. <laughs> yeah. You see, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So oh, it, it birthed in Europe, and then it had a worldwide influence by, like you said, northern people like Thomas Aquinas. I know John Newton was part of that. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of very influential people that uh, held to the high standard and views of the Enlightenment, which, which is what, to me, formulated the freedom of expression, freedom of speech, maybe even the influence of the Constitution with our founding fathers, knowing how important this Enlightenment was. Without this, then, like you, like you were saying, then, yeah, uh, shaming and blaming have replaced listening and reason because we're shamed and blamed if we don't agree with their views yeah. and their thoughts. So yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, it's, it's like this book is, it's just opened up eyes, man, to things that are going on. And um, that's why on the program, we're just telling, sharing our, our, what we have read here and studied. We're not experts, but you know, this book has really opened our eyes mm-hmm. to what's really formulating within our country as we see things moving progressively quickly to what? To me, the, the end times, the end times. Yeah, you know. So none of this stuff really is new under the sun, but still, it is. It's disheartening 
to think that this is what the standard of our living might be in the very near future, mm. you know, as Americans in this country. Well, just all you have to do is look at what's going on today. <laughs> Fuel prices, shortage on 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 our markets on on uh, staples mm-hmm. like baby formula. Are you kidding me? I know it's a whole other topic, but yeah. what I'm saying is, you know, you, you look at this stuff, but it it's all comes back to what the Word of God says, you know, what's formulating that's leading us into eventually what's going to be called the end times. Mm-hmm. Um, so these things, you, you connect the dots between the social um, issues happening to the biblical truths in the Word of God and see how they line up. And we're moving that way quickly. All righty. He cites on 118 and 119 uh, this man, Salman Rushdie who was a novelist uh, who was put under a fatwa, that is, a Muslim sentence to death. His mm-hmm. crime was writing about what are called the satanic verses found in the Quran. Mm-hmm. And then 10 years after the fatwa was announced, it was lifted, but to this day, Rushdie, he said, shows up in public with a heavy guard. His defense of free speech is a classic, as he rightly argues that freedom of speech means the right to offend others. Mm-hmm. And I love the quote on, on 119, Rushdie said, People have the fundamental right to take an argument to the point where somebody is offended by what they say. Fundamental right now. <laughs> yep. It's no, no trick to support the free speech of somebody you agree with or to whose opinion you mm-hmm. are indifferent. The defense of free speech begins at the point where people say something you can't stand. If you can't <laughs> defend their right to say it, then you don't believe in free speech. That's good. You only believe in free speech as long as it doesn't get up your nose. That's true. <laughs> yeah. And, and, it's and so he, true. And, uh, you know, Lutzer echoes that. He says, this statement should be written across the entry hallway of every college and university. Yep. You don't believe in free speech unless you give others the right to offend you by what they say. That's true. And it's true. I mean, that's even biblical. Jesus himself said, I did not come to, to bring peace but to offend. Yeah. He came with this, this word of God. It, it does offend. Mm-hmm. Um, if your lifestyle is you're living outside the, the realm of what God says you should be living, it'll offend you. It'll mm-hmm. convict you. It'll have you become angry with God. Who are you to tell me that I can't do that? Yeah. So God's word does. Well, same. I like the points he makes here. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, sometimes you will talk with, and we know very well you talk family, for example, you get into discussion with your families. Sometimes you say certain things and they get offended. What? Yeah. How can you say that? Yeah. Right? And we're not offending them to uh, their character. It's just something that is a truth. Mm-hmm. But you have the right to now share your uh, your uh, opposing views right. to you, what I've just said. You can go back and exactly. forth. You can agree to disagree. Agree, exactly. Well, yeah. What? How did how did we get here? You know, people must have along the way decided. You know, if somebody says something that offends me and it hurts me, uh, what they what they just said mm-hmm. um, is not only wrong, but it should never have been said in the first place. Uh, you know, and, and that's, I think, where we are today, where people, again, are, are creating these double standards. I, can, I have the right to free speech, but you don't because of what your words, uh, how, they, how they'll make me feel. You know, like, th- this is complete and utter brainwashing that... Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I'm still trying to figure out where where did this all begin. I, I really think, honestly, um, a lot of the the limitation of freedom of speech has to go. To me, goes back to the social injustice issue. Mm. You know, that's where I think a lot of it has has you know 
not just social injustice, not, I'm not talking just about the African-American um, culture, ethnicity, the LBGTQ, you know, the, the, the hate crimes against um, gays and homosexuals. So you, you, you look at that and you see, you fast forward, you know, maybe 20 years ago or so, we saw the hate crimes that came out against those people living in that lifestyle. And I don't, I don't agree that 100% is wrong. Mm-hmm. But you look at those things that have happened, you see now um, how, now come look at today, you know, transgenderism, gender identity, and all that kind of stuff. So if you say anything contrary to their thought about that, then you're a bigot, you're a racist. Mm-hmm. And so now you see the push and you get people that will um, jump on their pers- uh, platform to agree with what they believe as those that have opposing views to what they do, then, you know, you don't have a right to say anything. You know, you're shut down. Um, because, you know, you, you spoke about 30 years ago, you didn't have that issue as bad as you do today. But now these people are out front. I'm, not, I'm just saying, for example, the, the gay community, they're out front. You know, and there, there's no shame in their lifestyle. I mean, you look at on public television now, every series has some form of gay or homosexual relationship in it. And every every format, why? To me, they're just trying to let you know that this is a normal lifestyle. It's a, it's a normal behavior. So who are you to tell me that yeah. this is wrong? Yeah. It's wrong simply because it's not the behavior, it's sin. Same as lying, cheating, stealing, you, you murder, whatever. You, you have lust issues or whatever. That's all sin in God's eyes. Like we said earlier in the program, God does not compartmentalize sin. It's sin as sin. As Christians, we have to speak the truth. Mm-hmm. Whether you agree with us or not, and like, like what he says here, the freedom to think on page 119 at the bottom, interact, criticize, and discuss issues essential is essential for the common good. And when you consider those studies that are essentially intended to further knowledge, the scientific, philosophical, and religious studies, freedom of speech is essential— Free speech is the basis for our freedoms. George Orwell, who, whom of, uh, all of us should be reading, said it best. If liberty means anything at all, it means the right to tell people what they do not want to hear. And I think that's that's it right there. Yep. Is <clears throat> the right to tell people what they don't want to hear, but that's not that's not that doesn't mean to say that uh, we have the right to strap someone down to a chair yeah. and tell them what they don't want to hear yeah. and 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 force it upon them you know those that are present and they're you know they're being exposed to to a a word that that they're or you know um thoughts and ideologies that they don't agree with and that they don't want to hear they have the freedom also to walk away to liberty (laughs) you know you you don't like what's being spoken you don't have to you can go you can go you you know you don't have to hang out with those those sort exactly. of people. You you can create your own uh, inner circles and communities, yeah. and and that way, hey, you don't have to worry about it anymore. But yeah, they they're not content with doing just that. No, they they. It's not a matter of you know they redefine liberty as liberty for them, but not for others like mm-hmm. you and I. If mm-hmm. our opposing views do not line up with their thinking, that's their definition of liberty. That's not liberty at all. That's that's suppression. Yeah, <laughs> that's suppression. So how do you how do you call that liberty? My liberty is I, I should have the right to to speak what's on my heart. You don't have to accept it. And like you said, if you don't want to listen to it, you can have the right and liberty to walk away. I don't agree with you. I don't want to get into discussion with you. Done. I walk away. You know, uh, that's it. Same as you know, an example of that is when you get into biblical uh, discussions with non Christian religions. Yeah. 
you know, and you get into healthy conversation That's a good one. Yeah. back and forth. Yeah. Now, normally, if you're good at knowing what you know about your faith and you can share things that kind of like, I don't want to say stump them, then oftentimes they will say, hey, you know, great, nice conversation. We got to go. Mm-hmm. You know, there's none of this. Who are you? You know, but, you know, they don't they don't attack you verbally. At least I've never had. Well, yeah. I've had one experience, but okay. that was years ago. Normally, you know, but but normally they're very cordial and they go, "Okay, yep. well, um, I don't agree with you," and I, you know, and that's fine. Yeah. But you you walk away both without bad taste in your mouth. Right. You know what I'm saying? So have a nice day. Yeah, have a nice day. Yeah. Thank you for the conversation. I really appreciate you listening. Mm-hmm. I hope you take to heart the things I've shared. Uh, I've listened to you, but you know, this is where I'm at in my faith, and and I appreciate the conversation. Go on. That's liberty. You know, and it's that's not, a great that's a great example you point out right that's there. Not, that's not I'm not suppressing anybody, but we're just having a good dialogue back and forth. Mm-hmm. Of course, the progressive left that that's no. You, you just you're, you're being oppressive against that religious group mm-hmm. by forcing your views on them. <laughs> that's what they say. So you should be silent. You don't have the right to say that. But I mean, you're, you're taking you know um, freedom to another extreme. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. you want to move on to the response of the church. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, I think we're good on good on time. Okay. Yeah, one twenty. He just sums okay. it up, saying the philosophy of the left is this: right, preach tolerance, but practice inflexible intolerance against anyone who has the courage to express oh, yeah, a different yeah, yeah, yeah. point of view. And that's you know, like like the the title of this chapter: freedom of speech for me, but not for thee. You know, we we preach tolerance. We we make that our our banner and our slogan, but mm-hmm. really. Uh, yeah, that, that tolerance doesn't go far, especially when it comes down to somebody with, with an opposing viewpoint. So uh, that's that's kind of where they're at. And yeah, how do we, as the church, respond? I, I love how he always brings it back to yeah, this, because for, I'm sure, many of us listening, there's a lot of, you know, questions around that surround this, this very topic of, okay, mm-hmm. what do we do? How do we be agents of change in, in a world that is very, you know, intolerant mm-hmm. and wants to silence us left and right? <clears throat> well, I like what he opens. He says, boldness comes easily when you are in the presence of those who agree with you. Mm-hmm. It is difficult when you are standing alone in the midst of people who seek to your demise. Boldness behind a pulpit is one thing, which is very true. I like he brings us out. Boldness in the city council meeting is another Boldness is seen most clearly when you have burned the bridge that would have enabled you to retreat to safety. Uh, there are two ways culture attempts to intimidate Christians. One is to criminalize what they see or do, and the other is to shame them. Many Christians will not be talked out of their faith, but they will be mocked out of it. I like, I like what he says there. Shame will cause many Christians to retreat into silence. And I, and I really believe in my heart, this is why it's so important as a Christian to have holy boldness. You've got to know the Word of God. That gives you the boldness when you know scripture mm. that you don't you don't have to, you won't be able to, you don't, you're not going to stand down. Yeah, I'm not saying you know everything, but that's why a healthy practice of knowing the truth will help you to have boldness in the face of whatever opposition it might be. You you never know when you're going to be put in a, in a situation where your faith and what you believe is going to be tested, and that's what I believe he's talking about having a holy boldness to be able to def- have an earnest make an earnest defense for the faith, as Jude says. But you have to know yeah. God's word. It's yeah. important you to know the basics of, of of your salvation, why you believe what you believe. Mm-hmm. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. And, and I think this is, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe maybe you see it uh, differently than I do. But 
for us, you know, pastors in mm-hmm. full-time ministry, it does feel like um, oftentimes, at least for me, that we're, you know, we're in a, in this Christian bubble. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, th- those those moments of being mocked for my faith are very, you know, far in between because, yeah. exactly. um, you know, we're just we're just not in the world yeah. as nearly as much as say those that you know are yeah. in the congregation. That's, That's very true. Um, and and yeah, we we have very little time in in the in the world. I, I would say probably probably. Just when we we're, we're doing our grocery shopping, yep. running errands, that's yep. probably like our our mm-hmm. time in you know uh, with with those who uh, may not be uh, believers and, and Christians. So uh, just trying to um, be more intentional yep. with uh, the the boldness that comes uh, outside of the the you know these four walls mm-hmm. of, the, of the church. Yeah, I think you have to gauge like you know I've shared before, you know, from the pulpit and teaching, you know, you can gauge in conversation, like going to a restaurant, you know, when, hey, can I pray for you or, uh, about anything? Yeah. Sometimes that will open a door of conversation, you know, for somebody to do that, to say, yeah, can you pray for me? You never know when next door could open, like, so what are your thoughts about God? Do you go to church anywhere? Do you, hey, let me ask you, do you go to church anywhere? Mm. And they say, no, oh, uh, any reason why? And, you know, you never know what, what that might lead to something. Else. Like, for example, when I was powerlifting on Tuesday, uh, Blaze, he's, he's got a bad knee. And he, he was saying his knee was really bothering him. And so Tony, the trainer, said, yeah, you mean to get that checked out? It might sound, sound like you have a, a meniscus injury, mm-hmm. which is not good. Yeah. It's on the outside. Right. So, you know, me as a pastor, I say, hey, Blaze, um, as a pastor, I'm going I'm to pray for you. I'm going to put you in my prayer journal. I'm going to pray for you. Like, oh, man, I appreciate that. And then he says... Also, can you put my brother Loke in there too? I want you to pray for my brother too. Mm. You know, his brother's younger. He's going off to college. Reason he's going off to school. He's going to out of state, going to college, um, playing football. So he wanted. I know where he was going at said that God would protect him from the influences on the college campus. I'm doing. He's a good kid, really nice young man, 19 years old or 18 years old. But that just led to who know, who knows? I mean, you know, you just look at opportunities to engage, and these guys aren't saved. And I don't push my faith on them, but, you know, I try to live out what I am when I lift with them. And when God opens the door, I try to just gently yet, um, you know, purposely say something. So that was a great thing when he mm-hmm. says his knee. So I say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for you. Blaze, okay? He goes, yeah, oh, yeah, that's great. I would appreciate it. And he said, can you pray for my brother? And mm-hmm. I know what he's talking about because he's going off to school. So you, you have to be purposeful, I think, in gate. Because like you said, we, we're here... All day long, yeah. You know, like Tuesday through Friday, all day. Su- in, in the presence yeah. of those who agree with us, yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah we're in the, and you know, and sometimes you know, people do walk in, um, and they don't have the same uh, views that we do that we believe sure. in the church. So we have, mm-hmm. and we'll engage in conversation with people such as that. Um, hopefully, it'll be healthy and constructive, mm-hmm. and biblically purposeful. But yeah, it's like you said, we don't get. Out unless you, unless you do missions like I do missions right and you right. come with me so mm-hmm. that's where you can really get outside the bubble and engage with other people about the gospel yeah um, I've never been mocked other than by my family mm. <laughs> that's probably the mocking yeah. you know my siblings uh, you know why do you believe you know I've had that but now that was years ago when I was younger more you know that that uh, Paul said you know having wisdom without knowledge you know mm-hmm. zeal zeal without knowledge. But now I'm much, I'm much wiser. But the neat thing is, 
it's been years and years later, and my 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 older sister, especially next to me, she's more subtle now because she now is more accepting of my faith because she's seen that it's something that I've been with for for from years the, from the day I got saved to now. And, and you know what? I th- <clears throat> I think I think there is something to that. Oh yeah, what, my what, yeah. When 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 yeah. you are brand new to the faith and you're so excited yeah. and zealous for yep. the Lord, yep. people. I think it's normal for people, you yeah. know, those around you, especially the unbelievers, to look at you and think, man, you're weird. What, what's gotten into oh, yeah. you? I got that. But then as the years go by, we're talking like decades, right? Yep. Yep. And they see that, wow, so-and-so, you know, Bob yep. or, or John or whoever is yep. uh, still walking with the Lord after all these years, and they have that joy and, and that peace. Um, you know, I respect that. Yeah, and I was telling, talking to my older sister and told her about what's going on, you know, I was telling her, hey, you know, all these things are happening, Roberta. It's not coincidental. I mean, mm-hmm. the Bible talks about this, and I kind of share a little bit with her, and then she goes, you know, I, yeah, I, I think I believe you. You know, but only because I have stayed with what I believe is truth for these 43 years, yeah. you know, going on 43 years. So yeah. that's really neat because it's seen that my sister's heart's a little bit more open to mm-hmm. the gospel. I don't force it on her, but I look for teachable moments, you know, because the family's the hardest people to share with. You know, you know that. Mm-hmm. Well, your family's safe, so you, don't, you may not know that. Yeah. But... You know, family, my family, other than my brother, the only Christians in the family, then my mom got saved prior to her passing away. My dad's is really much more, um, what's the right word? He's He's been more accepting because when he mm. sends me stuff, he's always got something biblical in his letter to me. Because I, I, I wrote him a whole letter about, about God and salvation and the fact that, you know, his, I led his wife to Christ before she passed away with cancer. Mm. So my dad's been much more accommodating to the spiritual side so it's been really neat yeah so, yeah but yeah got to get you got to engage that's the thing you you have to be purposeful engaging with other people yeah. so that like you said you were out of the bubble because like you said it's very easy just to say oh yeah, this is great i don't have no problem yeah yeah like hang and, out yeah yeah uh, you being being bold and, and yeah. comfortable in the pulpit yeah. in front of a whole bunch of like-minded yeah. believers yeah. that that's that's easy yeah but w- when we're when we're out in the real world yeah. having Real conversations yeah. with people who, who don't have a personal relationship mm-hmm. with Jesus. Yep. it's different, man. It's yeah, yeah, <laughs> it is very different. You yeah, know? but you got to be intentional, and also you have to be really discerning and sensitive because people out there they they they're suffering, they're hurting, yeah, they're and you can tell. Yeah, you can you can talk, see some people, and and you can know, and you know, you Lord, if you know, if you want me to share with them, open the door, you know, and and cause something to happen to where I can go up there and tell them about you. You just never know what, how God responds in that way. But yeah, like you said, you know, uh, Christians are, are a lot of them retreat into silence. And that's not, God's called us ambassadors for Him, right? We're to represent our King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I, I think that the thing that's the disparity in America is we don't face severe persecution for our mm. faith. You know, you go to other countries, whether it's Iran, Afghanistan, yeah, China, East, uh, India. Yeah. Those countries, uh, you're persecuted for your faith, I mean, to the point of death. Mm-hmm. Um, I just read, a, a, I saw a story yesterday of a, um, Niger- was a Nigerian kid that did not renounce his faith, and they murdered him, wow. tortured him to death. Wow. A kid, he would not renounce his faith. Hmm. So, you know, um, we've, we've had similar situations here a long time ago, Columbine yeah. uh, shooting, where uh, Rachel Scott... Cassie Bernal was, do you believe in Jesus? And they said, yeah, and they, yeah. Were, they were martyrs, they were, man. They were martyrs for their faith. So yeah. do they? Can, could it happen? Yeah, but I believe God will never put you in a predicament situation unless he knows that you will um, 
you will not deny him. Mm. I just don't, I don't believe God will put us, tempt us in that manner. He obviously knew, you know, this young girl's commitment to Christ. Cause I read her journal, I have her book. Yeah. And yeah, it's amazing yeah. when you read her journal, the depth of her commitment to Christ. But I believe the Lord wouldn't, you know, uh, put us in that predicament and that place. So anyway, he goes on. We're going to go on. It says, "Is free speech important?" Mm-hmm. Uh, what are you? Th- what are your thoughts? What do you? What do you says there? Yeah, you you know, and um, I like just jumping down a few sentences. Mm-hmm. He talks about it now. He get he gets into uh, from a biblical spec per- perspective uh, the fact that this opposition to free speech it began early on in the history of the church. Mm-hmm. He says shortly after the church was birthed to preach in the name of Jesus was considered yeah. forbidden speech. At, the, at that time, people were, were still very much skeptical yep. of, of Jesus' yep. life and ministry, even the, his resurrection, yep. completely in denial yep. that, that that actually happened. And it was hate speech that carried the penalty of imprisonment and sometimes even death. Um, and then he, he references Acts chapter 4. But, yep. but yeah, is free speech important? Absolutely. Yep. Uh, that, that's, how the, that's how the gospel goes forth. That's how uh, we're able yep. to to reach people with the good news of our Lord, and ultimately, you know, as, as God wills, that that leads to conversion, yep. uh, saving faith, yep. and and souls being won for the kingdom of God. Yep. Without free speech, oh, we don't have anything. None of that is none is of possible. that is possible. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like you said, way back in even the, the establishing the first century church. Where he gave the illustration example of Peter and John, mm-hmm. you know, t- threatened, don't say nothing, where he says here uh, in the middle of page 122, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of speak of what we have seen and heard. And that's, I, I believe that's where, as Christians, that's such an important verse, because we have seen Christ by the cha- change he's made in our life. We know mm-hmm. that. We're not the same person we were on the day we, we accepted him and the conversion was was made and we're part of his family. And we have heard the word of God, mm-hmm. which is what changes us. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. It changes Amen. us. So we don't have any excuses. As Christians living in America, we we have the, the Bible accessible anytime, any day, no matter what. And so we don't have any reason not to be like what Paul, Peter, and, and John says here, um, whether you see it's a right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to, than to God, you judge. But, hey, we as Christians, we can't speak but what we know and what we hear. Yeah. You know, we know God because he's changed our lives. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have all of us have a testimony to some extent. Yeah. Right? What God has done in our life to the changes he's made from whatever your background has been, even if you've grown up in a Christian home, there have been, you know, you, everybody goes to through challenges. Right. I mean, you've gone through challenges as a young sure. man growing up, different temptations you face, mm-hmm. and yet, you know, God has brought you through all of them. That's a testimony. Yeah. You know, what God took me out of, what God brought my son out of. You know, those are great testimonies to see mm. that God is a God of redemption. Amen. And so we do have a story to tell. Um, he talks about, you know, the martyrs before us have shown that it is not necessary to have free speech in order to be faithful. I, I love that. Because yeah. we were talking about, is, is it is free speech important? Sure. Yeah. Is it necessary for us as Christians to remain faithful to, to the Great Commission? Not Absolutely not. No, not yeah. necessarily. Yeah. So, I mean, he gives examples in here. And there's a great book out um, called um, Fox's Book of Martyrs. I mean, it mm. talks about all the martyrs throughout the centuries of the history of the church that have been martyred for their faith. And many of them, if you read, and even in... in um, 
the books that DC Talk wrote on Christian martyrs, many of them, they did not have the freedom of speech. Yeah. But they, they, their speech was their life they lived by faith, by not renouncing the truth that they had within themselves in the face of being threatened to, to be killed. Mm-hmm. So like you said, yeah, that's just very true. And if, if the freedom of speech, uh, if, if that freedom and those rights were ever taken away from us, now now we're in the real ball game of, okay, God, yeah. am I going to be faithful I, to you to yeah. the end or not? And that, and yeah, see, that's, that's a really good point because yeah. how many, if that ever happened, in our time before the rapture takes place, mm-hmm. will those still stand firm in their faith and their commitment to Christ, or will they wane? Will they mm-hmm. move away? Mm-hmm. Because they no longer have the freedom to express what they want to express, and it's taken away because of the movement of, let's say, our country yeah. uh, to the progressive left, what they want to see established. Will we? Will the church still? Yeah. The church will survive. We know that the gates right. of hell will not prevail against the church. Right. But the body of Christ. How many will still be not re, not not move away from the truth that they have known? Yeah. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Not not go and hide in the closet. Yep. Become these closet Christians. Yep. And okay, yeah, we'll 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 participate in the un- underground church. But when it comes to evangelism and the real work yep. of expanding God's yep. kingdom by, you know, winning souls, yep. making disciples. Well, that's yeah. yeah. That, and you you don't know. Thing. See, that's the thing about going on a mission trip. Even though the intention whenever you go is, is safety first, mm-hmm. but you don't know. There, there's always an unpredictable element. Because whenever I go, my thoughts are always, "Well, Lord, if I don't come home, if, if something happens, you know, I want to make sure that everything's good. You yeah, know? everything's good. Yeah, and because uh, you just don't know. I mean, I've never been threatened, you know, but things have been, become much more disconcerting now, you know, with you know, the, the, what's happening within other countries, mm-hmm. particularly when it comes to Christianity. So, yeah. yeah. And here's here's a good point he, he brings up on 123. He says, our speech must be with grace, seasoned mm-hmm. with salt. And the free speech does not mean that we speak judgmentally to our nation as mm-hmm. if we are free from our own weaknesses and sins. Mm-hmm. We give reason for the hope within us with respect, mm-hmm. meekness, and fear. And I think that's that's the mistake that that some of us Christians make today is we get we become so passionate mm-hmm. and then our 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 tact and our approach becomes such as as one that is yeah. it comes across more judgmental, yeah. more uh condemning rather yeah. than Yeah, condemning is a good word. Gracious yeah. and compassionate. Yeah. I mean, you know what's amazing um is that's why I I love to um look at Christ and all the different situations that he was confronted with mm-hmm. where he was God, he could have smoked people without a doubt, but you know, good examples of, and that I like to use is the woman at the well, how compassionate he was in talking to her about her sin, not judging her, but letting him, her know who he was. Mm. And the woman caught in adultery, didn't condemn her, but letting her know that you've been forgiven, letting her know who, who I am. Right. So we can see how, if you want a pattern uh, on confrontation in conversation, how Christ did it. Now, yeah, did he get angry? Sure, against the Sadducees and scribes in Matthew 22, mm-hmm. right, or 20, 22 or 23. But because it was after a period of time where they just would not listen to what he had to say, and he said, you know what, I'm done with you. Right. You guys are a bunch of hypocrites, and he called it out. Yeah. Like, you know, was that hate speech? No, it was truth. It was truth, and they didn't like it. You saw how they, they after he said, they, they looked for ways to get him killed. And how did they do that? They enticed Judas with money yep. to just, to betray him. So, yeah. you know, we see even back then, 
we didn't have this the, the situation of of injustices or hate speech and shutting you down still was going on back then but today it's even got much more aggressive i think you know yeah when it comes to uh, what we see happening within you know our culture today it's really aggressive today yeah well, as we as we wrap yeah. up the, this chapter and our yes. episode today, I, I love what he says in these last couple of paragraphs, um, on in the middle of one twenty four. Mm-hmm. He says, "What is the secret of boldness? To fear God more than the flames, fear Him more than your reputation. Let us mm-hmm. be done with faint hearted, faint hearted, tepid leadership. Ours is the day to play the man with bold." uncompromising truth and love, risking it all for God. Mm-hmm. We can expect views that differ from those of the thought police will be boy- boycotted, shamed, and outed, but we will not be silenced, mm-hmm. yeah. as the title of yeah. the book yeah. goes. Yeah. We will endure the shame, the ridicule, and the penalties. We will be heard, and we pray that the church will speak with one yeah. voice. That's, that's such great encouragement yeah. and um, you know exhortation. And we can't go backwards and step back from what we know we are to be doing. Uh, yeah, I, I love the title of this book, We Will Not Be Silenced. Whatever the consequences might be, let the chips fall where they may, but that's part of who we are as Christians. We know that we are called to be ambassadors for Christ. We are to be his mouthpiece. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mark sixteen fifteen, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, yep. every person. Um, that's not being silent. That's being vocal about what we believe to be the truth, you mm-hmm. know? And that obedience to God trumps any anything else in this world, right? Any uh, you know fear of fear of man or trying to to please others, you know, it's it's boldness yep. in the sense that we fear God more than more than anything else. <laughs> yeah. And you know, are we willing, like like we talked about, are we willing to lay our our lives down for the sake sure. of the gospel? Well, Jesus said it best, you know. Uh, don't fear those that can kill the body, but not the soul. Mm. But kill, but fear Him who can kill both soul and body. Yeah, which is you know, which is God. So, right. But let's end. Mm-hmm. This is a good prayer. Yeah, I was reading this. A prayer. All of us must pray. Father, we pray words taken from a prayer meeting held in the early church, and we're going to read this. And it's great because he ends every chapter with a prayer that's mm-hmm. pertaining to the topic of the chapter. He says, "Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, for truly in this city." There were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Acts chapter 4, 24, 27 to 29. Let us give a reason for the hope within us with meekness and fear. 1 Peter three fifteen. Let us humbly stand for truth and leave the consequences in your hands. Mm. Teach us when to speak and when to be silent. May we be as wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Matthew ten sixteen. Let us not shout, but let us speak in Jesus' name. Amen. So good. Amen. So good. What yeah. A great, great chapter. So great we got way, it done. Great way to end. Yep, yeah, we got it done. Got it done. We'll be we'll be back next week. Next Lord week. willing. Yep. We'll be uh, starting chapter five. Man, are we, it looks like about halfway. So <laughs> we're getting there. We're getting yeah, get get yeah. in there. Get in there. Well, yes. God bless you guys. Yes. Thanks for tuning in yep. and and uh, listening along. Uh, we we appreciate and uh, you know your prayers, your support. Yes. And continue to be encouraged as we yep. 
I fight the good fight of faith together. Yeah, and any comments you have or any prayer requests, please contact the church or let us know. We would love to hear from you. Um, mm-hmm. Again, we are grateful and so humbled that you you listen to this but's podcast. You know, just two common guys that have a heart to share the goodness of God's news to Amen. a world that needs to hear the truth and and also that of hope. So, yeah. thank you so much. This has been a blessing. All right, God bless. Aloha. God bless. Take care. Mm-hmm.